Hello, I'm Carrie Ann. Welcome to another service with Pastor Ray Dieter at Grace Baptist Church. Please check out our website, gbcevansville.org. There, you'll find videos of our youth and children's services, daily devotions, and other ministries our church has to offer. We invite you to join us on Sunday mornings for an in-person service where we'll practice social distancing and follow safety guidelines. Now, let's hear what Pastor Ray has to say. For the outlines, he was willing to do that, so appreciate that. We began last Sunday a brief series talking about the fact that uh, there are seven great I am statements in the book of John. Uh, my favorite is, of course, is I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one come to the Father but by me. But we, we have a tendency to focus on those, and it's great. But the book of John and the other Gospels also contain over 30 I will statements. The I am statements are about the person and position of Jesus Christ, who He is and what He came to do. The I will statements are all promises that He gives. And so we began that last week, and I, I want to return to John 6:37, which is one of the verses we used last week, and it is a short verse that we're just going to read a, 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 very, very quickly. Uh, and here's what Jesus said. This is Jesus. All that the Father gives me, I will, co will come to me, and the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. I will by no means cast out. And what we're talking about there is acceptance, that Jesus Christ accepts us just the way we are, with all our flaws, with all our sins, with all our rebellion. He, he is an accepting Savior. And he says in that passage, he will not turn anyone away. Anyone that comes, he will accept. And in John 4, previous to that, chapter is the greatest example, I think, in the New Testament of that acceptance of Jesus Christ. It is a story that uh, if you've been in church most of your life, you know it's the story of the woman of the well. And it's found in John 4, 1 to 9. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee but he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there, and Jesus therefore being wearied from his journey, sat thus upon the well. It was about the sixth hour, that's noon. A woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, give me to drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Um, here, here's the mistake. Uh, this was a surprise. Jesus decided to go through Samaria. The scripture, the word there is that he needed to go through. That means that uh, if, you, if you understand that in the Greek, it means he had a reason to go that way. He chose purposely to go that way. Uh, usually, if you were a Jew and you were traveling from Jerusalem to Galilee, you would avoid going through Samaria. Uh, what you would do, you'd cross the Jordan River 
And then you'd go up along the east side of the Jordan River and you'd miss Samaria altogether. My folks used to have a place in Florida and uh, they would travel down there every winter and they always went down 65. Now, if I was going to Florida, I'd go 75 and go through Atlanta. My folks would go down 65 and drive farther so that they didn't have to drive through Atlanta. They didn't want to go through Atlanta. Well, the Jews, when they traveled, did not want to go through Samaria, but it wasn't an issue of traffic. It was an issue of a division between the Jews and the Samaritans over religion. There was a great, and here's a, here's a mistake in the outline, there was a great animosity between the Jews and the Samaritans. They did not like each other. They did not get along whatsoever. That animosity went clear back to the Old Testament in 2 Kings. If you look in 2 Kings 7.14, they were a mixed nationality of people. Uh, God had had trouble with the Samaritans. They'd been rebellious. Like, uh, they were, uh, like all the Jewish people, they, they, they tended to turn away from God and worship idols and do those things. And he had continually warned them. And when they would not repent, he sent judgment upon them. Uh, and, and so what he did was he sent, he used the king of Assyria. Uh, and the king of Assyria, uh, came and he conquered that land, and in so doing, uh, he repopulated it with people who were non-Jews, non-Samaritans. It says then the king of Assyria brought people from Babylon, from Shukath, from Aver, from Hamath, from uh, Shepherdim, uh, and placed them in the city of Samaria instead of the children of Israel, and they took possession of possession of Samaria and dwelt in its cities. Uh, they feared the Lord, yet they served their own gods according to the uh, rituals of the nations among whom they were carried away. Uh, and it, it, he goes on and he says, however, they did not obey, but they followed their former rituals. So these nations feared the Lord, yet served their craven images and their children and their children's children have continued doing this to this day. What happened was when they brought all these people in, there was a remnant of Jews still there, of Samaritans, and they began to intermarry. And as they intermarried with these people from the other nations, they accepted their gods. They, they thought that they could worship the one true God and worship all these other gods at the same time. You know, that's a fallacy that we still have today. You know, I can worship God and I can worship material things and wealth and position. Uh, you're, you're, God is a jealous God. And he says, turn your heart toward me. And so the Samaritans had been uh, uh, an anathema, that's a great word. They, they had been, uh, it was a ver the most derogative term that a Jew in Jesus' day could use was to call them a Samaritan. Uh, and that's why when Jesus told the greatest short story ever written, uh, the parable of the Good Samaritan, he made the hero of the st story the person who was least likely in the eyes of the Jews to be a hero. The hero was a Samaritan of all things. Uh, not, not a priest, uh, not a Pharisee, but a Samaritan. Uh, and so they were, they were hated. Uh, and, and in Jesus' day, uh, they had laid aside the false idols, and they worshiped the one true God, but they did not recognize the temple in Jerusalem, and they did not recognize the Levitical system. They, they had the first five books of the Bible. Uh, the books of Moses, and that's what they went by, but they did not go have 
the prophets and the Psalms, they did not recognize anything else as Scripture. And so it created a great division that existed between they and the Jews, and they looked down on the, the Jews that worshiped in Jerusalem, and the Jews looked down on them. And so here comes Jesus, and He said, I've got to go through Samaria. Think about that for a moment. Uh, by all means of His uh, the, the accepted behavior of His day, He should have went around. But He said, I've got to go right through Samaria. And He chose to go through an area that the Jewish people hated and had hated the inhabitants thereof. So he comes to this situation at the well, and here he is, and there's a, a woman that has come to draw water, and she's a Samaritan, and Jesus speaks to her. Uh, first thing against her was she was a Samaritan. The second thing was she was a Samaritan woman. Now in Jesus' day, it was totally unacceptable in society for a man to speak to a woman who he was not related with unless there were other people present. But it's just her and Jesus at the well. And by the traditions of his people, what he should have done was just ignored her like she wasn't there. Have you ever been totally ignored? He, that's what they would have expected him to do. But he spoke to her. And when he spoke to her, she's amazed. If you take that the verse we looked at this morning, she said, how come you're talking to me? I'm a Samaritan woman. I'm a Samaritan woman. Why in the world are you speaking to me? It, it caught her totally off guard, totally unprepared, totally surprised. But it goes beyond that. Not only was she a Samaritan, not only was she a Samaritan woman, but she was a disgraced Samaritan, a woman. She had uh, come to the well, and it's very uh, important to note, she is there at noon. Now, when you went to the well, you go in the morning to get water for the day, and you go in the evening to get water for the evening, but you don't go in the hot, hot part of the day at the noon hour. But here she is, she has come to the well at the noon hour because she doesn't want to have to see anybody. She doesn't want to have to talk to anybody. She doesn't want to have the, the stares and the accusations of the people, of the women of the community who will look at her who do not approve of her lifestyle and do not approve of her at all. I had, uh, back in the 90s, I preached on a Tuesday morning in the Ukraine. Still don't remember the name of the little village. It was a little place way out in the middle of nowhere. And we had church service about... Uh, 10 o'clock in the morning. And the little building that I was in, there was a community center, it was packed. And, and, and almost everyone in the service was a woman because the men were all working. And most of the women that were there were older women who couldn't work. And, and, and so there they are. And I got up and I read this passage on the woman at the well. And there was a lady sitting back sort of in the center of the room who had, was the only woman in the room that had on jewelry. She was the only woman in the room that had on makeup. And when I read the story of the woman in the well and said that she had had five husbands and the man whom she was living with now was not her husband, every woman in the room turned and looked at her. I felt terribly, terribly sorry for her. Everybody just looked at her and she just sat there and her head slowly came down. She knew they were looking and she knew what they were thinking. And when they looked at her the way they looked at her, 
I knew something about her and I'd never met her. But I could tell from their disapproval that her life was not what they approved of and was, that her life was probably a mess. And that's the story of this woman. Uh, her life's a mess. She's had five husbands. The guy she's living with now is not her husband. It, she's looking for acceptance and love and she's just not finding it anywhere. She is desperate to feel needed, to feel loved, to feel accepted. And she's gone from bad relationship to bad relationship to bad relationship, trying to find what she's looking for in life. And now she comes to the well. She's a Samaritan. She's a Samaritan woman. She's a Samaritan woman who is disgraced. And Jesus speaks to her. Think about that for just a minute. His disciples would have moved away from her. The priests would certainly have had nothing to do with her. The Pharisees would have engaged her to condemn her. You're going straight to hell because of the way you've lived your life. There's no hope for you. There's no redemption. But Jesus spoke to her. I want you to catch the significance of that. There is great acceptance from the very beginning here because he says to her, give me a drink of water. Now, catch this. The Jews believed the Samaritans were an unclean, unholy people. So anything that those Samaritans touched in the Jewish view became unclean and unholy. So if she takes a bucket and draws water from the well, the bucket becomes unclean and unholy. If she takes a dipper to dip out some water for Jesus to drink, not only the dipper, but the contents of the dipper, the water becomes unclean and unholy. But Jesus says to her, give me a drink. Do you see the acceptance there? No condemnation. No, you're unclean, you're unholy. He simply says, Can you, could, you, could you manage to get me a drink? And what he does in that brief moment is he shows acceptance to her. Not condemnation, but acceptance. And in the conversation that follows, I hope you'll read the whole thing when you get home, she has many questions. And Jesus listens to her questions and he engages with her and he talks to her. Listen, if you come to Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter about that past. It doesn't matter what other people think about you. It doesn't matter. What matters is that Jesus accepts you. Now he'll change you and that's the glorious part. But he accepts you. He doesn't say, go away and come back when you get your life straightened out. He doesn't say, go away and come back when you've learned some scripture and you know some things. He says, go away and come back when you haven't sinned for a week. He says, give me a cup of water, let's talk. And as he's doing this, he listens to her and he gets very quickly to the main thing in that 10th verse. He, do, he doesn't waste any time. She says to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And he immediately speaks to her and he says, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me to drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. 
The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep, 138 foot deep, by the way. When, where then do you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his livestock? And Jesus answered and said, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Springing up to everlasting life. Joanne and I used to live on a lake, and that lake was spring-fed. It had three springs that fed water into that lake. And I've seen some dry summers where the lake level really went down, but the springs kept bubbling water forward. And, and what this says when he says uh, springing up into everlasting life, he, he's saying to her, this is a spring that the water comes forth and it, there's no end to it. Amen. It's always fresh, it's always cool, it's always good, and it just keeps coming, it keeps coming, it keeps coming. It surges right out. And that's what I want to give you. That's what I want to give you. And he has spoken to her, he is listening to her, and he makes her this offer. Uh, The woman said to him, sir, give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. She's still thinking physically. She said, this would be pretty good. If I had this water, I wouldn't have to come here all the time, and I wouldn't have to have all these people looking at me. And, and the disdain of these other women, and, and, and that'd be a good thing. Uh, Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. Now, I submit to you, and we're going to see this in a moment. Jesus needed to go through Samaria because he needed to see the woman at the well. Amen. He knew everything there was to know about her. And, and she has a great moment of honesty and clarity which is the best way to be with Jesus. He knows it all anyway, but it's best when we... And she says to him, uh, I have no husband. And Jesus said, you have well said, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one with whom you now live is not your husband. That is not said to degrade her. That is not said to condemn her. He is saying to her, I understand your life's position. I know where you're at. I know the pain. I know the sorrow. I know the sadness. I know the separation. And I want to give you this water that is a spiritual water so those things will go away. No more sadness. She said, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Suddenly she realizes we're not talking about the water out of the well or the water out of any other physical well. We're talking about something spiritual here. And this is no ordinary man with whom I speak. He knows everything there is about me. Yet I see no condemnation in his eyes. I see no stare. I see no turning away. I see acceptance. 
Now, she has a lot of questions that she goes on and she asks him about them regarding how they worship and where they worship and those things. Uh, and, and, and seeing this spiritual nature of the water, she begins to engage with him about those things. She says, uh, our fathers worshiped on the mountain, and you Jews say that it is in Jerusalem only that where one should worship. And Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither worship on the mountain or Jerusalem to worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, but the salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is here when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. He, he says, look, salvation for everyone is going to come through the line of David, through the Jewish nation, but it is for everybody. Amen. Everybody's accepted. Even you, a Samaritan, a Samaritan woman, a Samaritan disgraced woman, God wants you to come to him. And the way to do that is through me. And you'll find acceptance and peace for your soul. And the things that you've been looking for in life that you can't find anywhere else are available through me. She said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Key verse. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. She said, you're talking to him. My sister used to be the uh, comptroller of a Ford dealership, and when the two men that owned the dealership were gone, uh, she was in charge. And they had some trouble one day. A fellow came, and he was trying to get him to fix something under warranty that wasn't under warranty, so he wouldn't have to pay for it. And he was in an argument with the cashier, and then uh, the assistant cashier, and then he was in an argument with the cashier. And finally, he said, "I want to speak to the man in charge." And they went and got my sister. Because when the two owners were gone, she was in charge. And the fellow looked at her and he said, I want to talk to the man in charge. She said, you're talking to him and he's me and I'm a girl. You know, hey, Jesus says to her, you're talking to the Messiah. Amen. And, and listen, don't believe these folks that say Jesus never claimed to be God. It's right there. Right. I am he. Amen. And I... At this point, his disciples came, and I, I want you to get it. It says, and they marveled that Jesus talked with a woman, yet no one said, what do you seek, or why are you talking with her? They, knew, they came, and they were astounded that he was talking to a Samaritan, to a Samaritan woman, to a Samaritan disgraced woman, although they probably didn't know she was disgraced. And, and they were amazed by that, but they had enough good sense to keep their mouth shut and not say, Jesus, what in the world are you doing? They understood and they knew Jesus well enough that if there was a reason, he was, there was a reason why he was doing this, just as there was a reason why he needed to go through Samaria. And, uh, then the woman left her water pot and went on her way to the city and said to the men, come see a man who told me all the things I have ever did. Could this be the Christ? And they went out to the city and came to him. He, she goes to town. She's still not you know, she, she has been kind of separated from worship and things because of, of her past history. And she, she goes to the men of the town and she says, there's a guy out here at this well and he told me everything I've ever done. Could he be the Christ? 
And the answer is, of course. If you go to that 28th and 30th verses, uh, it says, come see a man who told me all the things I ever did. Could this be the Christ? And uh, they want to see what's going on. They've never seen this woman this excited. They've never seen her with such joy in her countenance. They've never seen her with such hope. It's not the same woman that went to the well. It's a different woman because she's experienced the acceptance of Jesus Christ. And so these guys say, we better go see what this is all about. We need to see who this is and why he is there. And so they come to Jesus. You see, her joy is completely full. She went to the well down, down, disgraced. She left the well, well, forgiven and whole. Amen. Jesus made her complete. And she can't wait to share this. But she is a little hesitant to go tell the men of the town. And so she simply says to them, he told me everything that I've ever done in my life. Uh, can, can this be the Christ? She's posing a kind of a, for her, a rhetorical question, but a question for them. He's, basically, she's saying to them, you need to come see what's going on. Now, in 39 and 42, and many of the Samaritans of the city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with him, and he stayed there two days, and many more believed because of his own word. Then they said to the woman, Now we believe, not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him, and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Amen. Jesus needed to go through Samaria. He had a purpose. He had a direction. He had a mission. Amen. He stopped at Jacob's well in the heat of the day. And here came a Samaritan, a Samaritan woman, a Samaritan disgraced woman. And he spoke to her and he offered her eternal life. And she accepted. And then the whole village comes out. It all started with this woman. Now you'd have thought he'd have went to the religious leaders, wouldn't you? You thought he'd have come to town and said, where's the head man, the head honcho, the biggest, the biggest guy here that worships the one true God? Who's, who's, who's the power broker here in town? Who does everybody listen to here in town when they say, this is what we ought to do, this is what we oughtn't do? That's not what he did. He came to the well at noon with a woman who was hopeless, disgraced, down and depressed. And he said, give me a drink. Let me give you a drink. There is no one anywhere in this world that is so far separated from God that he will not accept them if they come to him. Amen. 
That's as simple as I can make the gospel. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done or maybe not done. God loves you. You see, Jesus loved this woman. And he wanted her life to be better. And the only way for that to happen was for her to have a relationship with the Heavenly Father that was real and personal to her. And Jesus was willing to offer her that and accept her. Uh, You know, too many times we are judgmental. Lost folks act lost because they are lost. Did Jesus approve of her lifestyle? No. It's not in her conversation, but if you remember the story of the woman who was taken in adultery, what did he tell her? He said, you go and don't do this anymore. Go and sin no more. What he has done here is he has taken her and he has given her a chance to come out of the muck and the mire that is her life into the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness that is a relationship with the Heavenly Father. And it gives me great hope when I read this story to understand if he accepted her, he'll accept any of us. Any of us. All we have to do is say, Jesus, I want that water. I want that water that springs up into eternal life now and forever. It was a great thing in that village that happened, but it started with the least likely of candidates, a Samaritan woman, a disgraced Samaritan woman, who found what she'd been looking for in life in Christ Jesus. Our Heavenly Father, we're thankful that you are accepting. If we come to you and ask for forgiveness, you will extend it. Thanks again for joining us for another service with Grace Baptist Church. Connect with us using the social media links on our website, gbcevansville.org. We look forward to seeing you again next week.